So I'm Luke, I've, I've been a Christian I guess about 25 years or so now, I'm so grateful to God uh, for his grace every day of my life, uh, his patience and his kindness and his, his goodness, I'm, uh, I'm married to Deb and uh, she's uh, wonderful, I'm an elder at King's Church Edinburgh, just want to say we are cheering you guys on, we're so thrilled that you're here, we're so thrilled that you're uh, gathering people right in the heart of Glasgow, right in the centre, it's so brilliant and uh, we love being able to say to people when they say, oh maybe we move from, uh, from Edinburgh to Glasgow, obviously we have to commiserate them, but we can say, but there's good news because there's a church out there that's doing great work we'd love you to join them um, and uh, so we're excited to see some of our students come and join and other people from our church that probably happen as well it's great for us to be back in Glasgow uh, so uh, Deb lived and worked here for two years uh, after graduating as a medic then uh, was a doctor uh, over here and our first five months of married life uh, was spent living in the West End uh, it was the, the last two years of Deb's uh, work uh, we got married yeah, in the March of that time uh, so we lived on the Crow Road uh, together. Uh, we got married on the West Coast, uh, but uh, eventually they realised I, was, I just wasn't cool enough and I was far too English. And they were like, we're going to have to send you back to Edinburgh. That's where you should be and that's where it will fit. And it does and we love it. Um, and because we lived in Glasgow for a while whilst being part of the church in Edinburgh, we drove along the M8 a lot, a lot. It always rains on the M8. I've never driven along the M8 and it not rained. Either west to east or east to west. It's not always your fault, although usually it is. Um, so it was very simple. It was hopefully very simple getting here today. Put the address into the sat-nav. The sat-nav was like, Glasgow, really? It's like, yes, of course. Sure. We'll have a great time. Let's go. Um, and so you just follow directions. And that is obviously how these things are supposed to work and how they do work and how they did uh, work for us today. We're often told that life is a journey. It feels like I'm about to start singing a song, even by saying that, just this life is a journey. And off we go. Um, the routes and maps aren't always as clear as the one that I used today. Today was a very clear map. It was a very clear route. It's like, follow that road, follow that road. Go to that place. Go to that enormous building that says 67 on the side, and you'll know that you're at 67. I was like, okay, this is really simple. This is great for decision making. It's really obvious. It's really clear. It's right there in front of me. But that's not what our life is really like, is it? That's not how life goes for us as we're trying to make decisions, as we're trying to work out where to go. Uh, the directions aren't clear. Uh, the vehicle could break down at any moment. Uh, other people could crash into us. And to be honest, we don't even trust the driver of our own life most of the time either, do we? We're like, what, what decisions are you making? Where have you gone? I can't believe you took that turn. That was the wrong thing to do. All that kind of thing. Now, sometimes it feels like we don't actually have a lot of choice in the decisions we're making. Uh, kind of, often this can depend on your age. You can go for a period of time like, I've got no choice in my life to, I've got loads of choice in my life to, I've made choices in my life and I don't have any choices left. Um, and you might be somewhere in that spectrum uh, today. And the situations that are beyond our control, uh, there might be people that are beyond our control. Uh, there may just simply be consequences of decisions that you've made in the past that now mean that your choices are a lot more limited uh, than they used to be. And so this sense of life is a journey. It's like, well, maybe life is a journey, but I'm no longer in control of this journey. Someone else is driving me. I'm a passenger. In fact, I may not even be a passenger. I feel instead like someone has tied me up, thrown me in the boot, and is driving me somewhere I don't want to go. So life is a journey, yes, but it's a bit chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, amen. Yes, I agree. It's <laughs> true. We're going to get to good news later. Don't worry, I promise. And we're like, I've only had choices. But those of you who've got choices at the moment, like, actually having choices, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of that either. Because there's massive pressure when we've got choices. Like, this decision could affect the rest of your life. People say that all the time in a way that's meant to be really exciting, but can actually be really paralysing. Well, if, this is, if it's this bigger choice, I've really got to get it right. Otherwise, what might happen? Anything could awful, uh, something awful might happen. 
And so if you're a Christian, what you do at that point is you say, God, tell me what to do. Please give me guidance. And that's what we do. And when we say guidance as Christians, this is what we mean. We mean absolute clarity from God on what the plan is. And the implication being that we are going to be totally happy with what that plan is. That's what we mean by guidance, is it? It's not like, oh, maybe more to the left than to the right, or maybe more to the east than to the west. That's not what we're saying. God, tell me exactly what you're going to do, and uh, let me see how great that is and how I'm going to agree with all of that. So an example of that, when I was in my early 20s, I was single, I was hopeful that I'd get married one day. I said to God, God, would you, would you just tell me the name of the girl? Because I, you know, I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste other people's time. It'd be really helpful if I just. You can do that. I mean, God, God knew. He, he could have done that. Um, but he didn't do that. He didn't do that. Why did I want him to do that? I could have said all these other reasons. Lord, because then I'll know, and then I can wait with patience. Blah, 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 blah. No, it's because I wanted certainty. I wanted to know there was a name. That's why I wanted him to give me that that level of guidance. And and most of us want that when we're making big decisions because we want it to go well. You're thinking, you know, choosing a degree, uh, changing job, moving to a new location, starting a relationship, joining a church, moving to this church. So these are big decisions. And you want to have confidence in making this decision that you've made a good decision, that you've made the right decision. And we like certainty and we think that guidance will give us that. But as one writer put it, our mindset is, God, tell me who, tell me how, tell me when, and then I'll trust you. But what God wants us to see is that if we did this, our trust wouldn't be real. We want a definitive answer so we won't feel vulnerable, weak and dependent on him. But guess what? We are vulnerable, weak and dependent on him. And it's only when we realise our true condition that God can demonstrate his strength and love on our behalf. So that's just to discourage you if you're wanting guidance. (laughs) That God's actually often got a better plan and he's going to involve you feeling like, oh my goodness, really? Because... In our weakness, God works his strength. It's the amazing thing that he does. Now, God does guide people. Okay, just to be clear, I think it's God not guide people. Yes, he does. And the Bible gives us loads of examples of that happening. But actually, the Bible also talks about how God has a preferred way for us to make good decisions. And I think this is a way that most Christians don't talk about anywhere near as much. Lots of things about guidance. If you were to tell the story of perhaps maybe even how you came to this church or how you ended up in Edinburgh or maybe how you got together with your uh, partner, if, if that's happened for you, you, the more dramatic the story, the more excited you are to tell it, aren't you? Uh, you may even have heard, uh, if you've uh, been to church a lot, you've seen people who have become Christians and they get baptised and they say, oh, I've got a really boring story. Um, and and we, we want there to be drama and we think guidance means drama. Because guidance means suddenly I was going this direction then God said go that direction. Suddenly the clouds suddenly spelt out the word Glasgow and I knew I had to move. Those are the kind of things we want, aren't we? They're big guidance stories. <clears throat> When the Bible talks about making good decisions, often what it says we need is not guidance. It says what we need is wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to make the right choice, especially when it's not entirely clear what the right choice is. It's about knowing God and knowing his ways and applying those things to the situation that you're in. It's being able to, someone's described it as living skillfully. It's, it's knowing in the midst of chaos and uncertainty and not hearing directly from God, not getting that bit of guidance, but knowing actually what the right thing to do is in that moment. And not just the morally correct thing to do, but what God is wanting you to do in that circumstance, that decision. 
Now, it might not seem as dramatic and as spiritual um, as sudden and indisputable guidance from God, but it still involves trusting him. Uh, It involves us loving him. It involves us saying to him, I want your will to be the way that my life goes. And so he loves that and he wants us to grow in that. And what it also does is it means we're involving God in all of our decisions. Because to be honest, most of you, I hope, won't be looking for guidance for, you know, what clothes to wear today and where to eat today and where to, you know, how exactly to do everything that you've got to do in your work or your studies or your caring for kids or whatever it is you've got to do tomorrow. You aren't going to pray at each moment, I just need to wait until God gives me a guidance on whether or not I'm going to feed the kid or whether or not I'm going to go to my lecture or things like that. We don't live that way, do we? You don't look for those big guidances. But what you need in all of those moments is wisdom. If you have wisdom in those moments, you're involving God all the time, not just in the really big headline-grabbing moments of decision-making. Jesus was full of wisdom. He was famous for it. Everyone heard Jesus preach. They're like, we've never heard anyone like this. He was so wise. And you know God's plan for your life is to make you more like Jesus. So he wants you to become more and more wise. And so we're going to look today at how we can do that. We're going to look at a uh, book of Proverbs that's in the Bible. It's famous uh, for giving wisdom. Uh, it gives wisdom usually in kind of very tweet-length kind of just bits. It's like hit after hit after hit truth. So we're not like going to live in one passage and explore that passage. We're going to go all over the place. There'll be some of the references on the screen. There are loads of them. So good luck to the guy who's doing uh, <laughs> yeah, the slides. We're just going to keep hitting through them as much as we can. I'm going to summarise what this book says about wisdom in four different points. And the first of them is this. If you're thinking, how do I get wisdom? The first point is this. Get wisdom. (laughs) All right. Proverbs 4. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Thanks very much. That's so helpful. It's like a dictionary definition. Wisdom. The act of being wise. Like That hasn't helped me at all. But actually, this is profoundly true. If you want to be wise, you need to start by wanting to get wise. Someone once said, everything happens for a reason. Sometimes the reason is that you are stupid and make bad decisions. (laughs) Making good decisions comes, it starts with having a desire to make good decisions. You're actually thinking, yeah, I do want to make a good decision here. Even if I'm not a huge fan of the decision at first, I want to make a good decision. I want to live a life that's wise. I'm not just hoping for the best. I'm not even just going to pray for the best. But I'm actually going to work out how to make a good, godly, wise decision. And so getting wisdom starts with realising that you need this and you need to do this. It's, it's very helpful if you want to grow in wisdom to realise the amount of you know, your lack. The fact that you, you're not wise, that you're not wise enough, that there's more wisdom that you could get hold of. It's very helpful for us to do that. Uh, one of my friends, uh, when we were growing up, teenagers would go around to his house a lot. One day his parents put up this sign in their kitchen which said, Teenagers, tired of being harassed by your parents? Act now, move out, get a job and pay your own way while you still know everything. Like, this was parental sass. This was like, like, this isn't passive-aggressive, this is aggressive-aggressive. This is me saying, you don't know anything, but you think you know everything. So I'm going to make that clear by putting up a sign in our kitchen. And this was, I don't know if they ever actually talked about this, but there, there it was. Now, this is not what I'm saying, but actually it's really helpful to know that you haven't got it all together. It's really wise, actually, to know that you haven't got it all together. To be humble enough to think, even though I'm starting to work some things out, even though I I can work a phone, I can maybe even hold down a job, there's more for me to learn, there's more for me to grow in. 
Now, whether or not you've kind of come to that point of realising that you need wisdom because you've made loads of awful decisions, uh, or you're just thinking, this sounds good, he's a preacher, I'll agree with him, I should get more wisdom. Whichever kind of circumstance you're in, God is willing to give you wisdom. This is the great news. Uh, James 1 verse 5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, so yes, amen, that's us, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. This is great news. God wants to give you this. And if you ask for him for it, he will give it to you. That's, isn't that great? This is a promise from God for you. So, where do we get this wisdom from? Proverbs 9 verse 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you think, okay, I want wisdom, where do I get it from? Proverbs says, by fearing the Lord. Now, it's really easy to misunderstand that word fear, because most of the time when we talk about fear, we mean being scared of something. Uh, it means that the thing itself is really horrible. And so fear is, is being, means kind of being afraid. But that's not what the Bible tells us about God. So that's not what the Bible means when it says that we're to fear the Lord. There is a reverent awe of God that is good that is right, that recognises him for who he is and actually us for who we are. He is the creator of all things. He is sustaining everything right now by his word, by his decision, this building is still standing. That's why it's standing up. That's The reason you're able to draw breath and exhale and draw breath again is because God is willing that to be so. Now, he is wonderful and lovely and glorious and so we can do all these things with confidence but still we need to recognise that he's the one who's doing all that. We're conditional on him. He is the one who made everything. He dwells, the Bible says, in unapproachable light. You think, well, what does that mean? It means he's awesome. You think the close, you, we can't get this close to the sun. If, the, if those clouds moved out of the way, because obviously we're in Scotland, it would be taps off, everyone would be out there, we would be burnt. The sun would be affecting us straight away, wouldn't it? We're affected by the sun at this distance, which is really far away, as far as I can work out from science, from where the sun is. The, the closer and closer you go to something that's in unapproachable light, the more and more re- you realise how powerful it is. God dwells in unapproachable light. He's a consuming fire. And he isn't just wise. It's not just one of the things about God is that he's very wise, he's very smart. No, he is wisdom. It isn't just that wisdom resides in him, it's that he is the source of all wisdom. He's where all wisdom comes from. And he is the God who adopts us. He's the God who loves us. He's the God who brings us into his family and says, you're my child. So simultaneous with all his greatness and glory is his love and his commitment and his salvation. So this is great news if you're a Christian. The source of all wisdom loves you. Isn't that great when we're worried about making decisions? Wisdom sees God as he truly is and acts accordingly. We are to trust him. Trust him at all times. Trust him when it's difficult. Trust him when we're struggling, when we think, God, I think you probably want me to do this. If I'm honest, Lord, I really want to do that. And how am I going to work out that gap? Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 3 verses 5 to 8 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. So, I mean, this is always true. Human beings always need this. But I think right now in our cultural moment, not being wise in our own eyes is a huge deal. Fear the Lord. And turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. This is the promise of God. 
got a friend right now and they're, uh, they're, they're working in a sector uh, where them being a Christian could increasingly lead, get them into trouble. Uh, yeah, they're, they're in the UK, so it's just people, at the moment people just don't, wouldn't really like it if they said their views, but they, they kind of feel like more and more they're going to be asked for their views on all sorts of things and it's going to get them in trouble. And they're, and they're saying, how do I work this out? Because I've, I've got some ambitions, I've got some things that I believe God's called me to do that would require me getting on and ahead in this but what if someone asks me a question? I know that I'll lose my job over this, and then I won't be able to do all those things. But I've got to be, like, but I've got to be honest about what God has said, haven't I? And that this is a kind of living in the fear of the Lord, where we think at this point we're like, but I really want this to happen. But I've really got to honour God. I've really got to follow God and do what He's called me to do and say what He's called me to say. And that, that's what that, that that's what this tension looks like. Fearing God means believing that his way is right and wanting your life to go his way. It's about saying that he's right and that if we differ from him, we're wrong. Now again, we're in church. It's Sunday. You're like, of course, yes, amen, of course. But all of us know that tomorrow we'll face things that will pull us in a different direction. We've just got to be honest about that and, and say, you know, very few Christians would say that, well, God's wrong and I'm going to do this. Because most of us have been around long enough to know you're not supposed to say that. But we live that way. When we go our own way, that's what we do. We say, sorry God, you're wrong, I'm right. We do this because we have an instinct to doubt God. It's something that we were born with and we have to really learn to, uh, to change and to challenge. And we, we live in a world that doesn't trust him. I don't think I've ever seen a movie, certainly from the last, I don't know, 30 or 40 years, that doesn't have the message, be yourself and follow your heart. Like it doesn't matter what the movie is, at some point someone will say that. Because that's what our culture believes. And it loves to hear what it believes said again and again and again. But that is not the way of wisdom. The way of wisdom is to say, I'm broken. I cannot trust myself. I make poor decisions. I've got a history of making poor decisions. I might be a bit better now, but I'm not going to trust myself. Follow my heart. My heart's deceitful above all things. My heart goes after all sorts of things. I'm not going to do that. Our emotions are signals, they're not guides. And the things with human beings is we're so good at rationalising the decisions that we want to make that we do it without even realising it. And if you're a Christian, you may even be able to put a Bible verse on it. And you're like, you see, that's why I'm doing this thing. You're like, no. Because it's, it's not wise. You're not fearing God, trusting him. So to choose to trust God is hard work. If we realise the truth of our need for God's wisdom though, like we said, James 1 promises this, he'll give it to us. He wants to give us wisdom. Proverbs 2 verse 6, the Lord gives wisdom. How does he do this? Well, he does this primarily through the Bible, through his, his words to us. Proverbs 10 verse 8, the wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. It's one of the things I love about Proverbs. It says, which of these two things do you want to be? Do you want to be um, the wise of heart or do you want to be a babbling fool? It's really up to you, but those are the choices. There's a slight bias in this choice that you're offering me. But say, if you receive commandments, if you will hear God's word and obey God's word and follow God's word, that's how wisdom comes. Now, the Bible's obviously got plenty to say about how we treat people, what we do with our money, um, what should our priorities be, who we should get into relationships with. God's given us lots of quite specific guidance on those things. But... The Bible is so much more than if this, then that. The Bible's got loads more. It's not just like, well, if, if, in this circumstance, do this. Because you'll, you'll face circumstances in your work, in your studies, whatever, where you're like, this situation is not described in God's word. And certainly there isn't a list of places where you should move to or people you should try to go out with or whatever. It's just not there. 
But what the Bible does is it shows us who God is and what he's like. It shows us the story that we're in. It shows us what this world is actually about and God's purposes for us. It, t- it tells us where we're going. It's like we're given this structure to live in. It's like we're given a load of um, a, a, an understanding of a story. And then all, almost one person said, it's like we then improvise from within that story, knowing this is who we are, knowing this is who God is, knowing this is what he's called us to do. We're to then work out what our role is within that. It's the Bible that gives us that framework, that wisdom. So the Bible can show us what's good. It can teach us how to spot goodness and spot badness when we come across it. And that's why when you might be more immature in your faith, you just make decisions and other people are like, that's a terrible decision. You're like, no, I'm sure it's fine. Then you come back five minutes later and you're like, that was a terrible decision. How did you know that? And they're like, well, I've I've read the Bible more than you. And they've got wisdom because they've grown and they've learned God's word. Every great musician you've ever heard of grew up listening to great music. No great musician was just suddenly, I never heard a, I never heard a note. And then I wrote a masterpiece. It doesn't work like that. Everyone, you listen and you listen and you listen and your taste is shaped and formed. And the more you hear, the more you can then say. And the more wisdom you get in you from God's word, the more wisdom you're going to have when you face those decisions. Often it's a long game. Often it's a really long game. So I've been uh, in circumstances, I think, Man, how am I, I genuinely don't know how I'm coping here, except that I made a decision 10 years ago that's bearing some fruit now. And, and that's, that's what happens. That's how we grow in wisdom. This isn't a kind of, I'm not going to pray for you to get wisdom at the end of this meeting. And then be like, bang, there it is. It takes a long time. But God's all right with that. Now, just to say about fearing God, obviously one of the things about fearing God is with that, like, oh no, what if, I, what if I make the wrong choice? What if I do the wrong thing? This is why I wanted guidance. This is why I got guidance in the first place. Because I fear God. Because I want to do what he wants me to do. Fearing God doesn't mean never making a decision in case it's the wrong one. So I was looking to buy a house about 12 years ago. Uh, I, I, mean, I obviously prayed a lot about it. Uh, I knew where the area was where I wanted. I knew the kind of house I wanted. I knew that all the other things that I knew that God wanted me to do, like be involved in the church and all of that kind of stuff, wouldn't be compromised by buying this house. Um, and so I made an offer and the offer was accepted and so I bought the house and there was no guidance in that story except I was like God there are plenty of ways in which you can stop this but that was kind of it I I had enough other stuff I I felt like I had enough wisdom to kind of that it was a good choice now the housing market collapsed a year later um, but that was all right it was to be honest it was more helpful because if God had given me specific guidance and that had happened I might have been more confused because I was like well this is just what life is like I'm just going to make a choice. It is okay to try something that you're not sure about. Fearing God doesn't mean, you know, I I can't do anything in case I get it wrong. That's not what God's saying. He gives us liberty. He wants us to grow, and often doing things is what helps us grow. As long as it's within what God said, it's good. Wisdom does not mean knowing everything up front. I just want to say this as well to us, particularly as churches who believe that God is, uh, who speaks, that God speaks to us today. Um, it's brilliant I love it I'm always listening for God is he going to speak in a timeless way through his word or a timely way through a prophetic word I'm always listening out for that but fearing God and trusting his word should make us very cautious I think if we think God has spoken to us directly because God told me is a very Christian a very common Christian cop out when making decisions because it closes down on the discussion I've had people say to me, I believe God said this to me. 
Like, so I'm, I, as if you're like, I can't argue with that. You, you're not inviting me to argue. You're saying, the Lord has spoken. Who are you to disagree with him? That's, that's why people say it, I think. Again, because we want certainty. And we, we don't want people to disagree with us. But I just think we need to be really careful about this. The New Testament says, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 9, that we prophesy in part. Which means we don't always get it right. And we don't get it all right. Yeah. And so you have to live with that. You think, I, th- I think maybe God said this to me. How much more likely is it for us to, to do this in part when it's something that we feel really big emotions to about? When it's something we really want and then something kind of happens and we're like, yes, God spoke. The Lord has spoken. No one may disagree. But that's because you want that to happen. So you, I think we need to be really careful about this because fearing God... We really fear God. We don't really want to bandy his name around unless we're certain. Oh, God definitely said this. The God who dwells in unapproachable light, who's a consuming fire, you're just going to use him to win this argument. I'm not quite sure you should do that. God will never say anything that contradicts what he said in his word. I think it's fine. I think God may be saying this. Here's, Here's why. What do you think? That's all right. Now, having started by saying that God prefers giving wisdom to guidance, fearing him does make us pray that he guided us, doesn't it? I want to do what he wants us to do, and that's okay. Proverbs 19.21 gives us something to pray for like this. It says, many are the plans in the minds of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Great. Amen. That's what I would pray. When I'm making big decisions, that's the kind of thing I would want to pray. Um, Jesus taught us to pray this, didn't he? He said, we pray, your will be done. That's what Proverbs 19.21 is saying. So, absolutely, pray in the midst of this. God, your will be done. Would your purpose stand? One of the ways he may answer this prayer is through the people that he's put around us. This is the third thing about wisdom, that team works. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Again, which side do you want to be on? Everything's going to seem right in your own eyes or your own decisions, or listen to other people. Proverbs says, fool or wise, it's up to you. 1522, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. I just learned this in the hard, the hard way in my 20s. I just made loads of decisions by myself. They were all awful. And then I eventually realized I should have been listening to the people who were like, wait, no, just, oh, you've gone. Okay, well, it'll be back later, I guess. Um, and eventually I was. I was like, those were awful decisions. Why? And then I read Proverbs. I was like, ah, because of this, because I was doing this all by myself. Christians are meant to live their entire lives in community. We should expect each other's help. We need each other's help. God is, again, we can think, oh, if I'm getting it all right, if I was a mature and wise person, I'd never need to ask anyone else's advice. But Proverbs says the opposite. Proverbs says that a wise person says, I need help. I still need help. So even though we grow in maturity, we, 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 don't, we don't grow out of needing one another. And God has given it to us in the form of people around us. So you need to build good Christian friendships. You have grace communities here. They're the perfect place for you to get to know other people and for you to be known. So that in these moments, when you're suddenly facing a huge decision, you don't have to try and explain your life to someone who you only see for like an hour and a half on a Sunday. But for someone who actually knows you, who's walked with you, who's maybe more mature than you, you can say, hey, I can, I can give you some insight on that. Um, Hannah Anderson, in her book, All That's Good, which is a brilliant book about discernment, she says, the road may be narrow, but we are not alone on it. Just, that's great news. 
So ask others who know God and who know his word for their input in your life. Don't just go to them for reassurance of the decision you've already made. I mean, I'm sure you wouldn't do that, but I've, met, I've had people do that. I've done that. They aren't guaranteed to be right, because none of us are perfect. But if you're wanting to make a big decision, and you speak to mature Christians, and they say, I'm really not convinced that's the right thing, uh, that's a warning. That, that's God graciously saying, listen, listen. But more than just getting advice from other people, if you hang out with people who are wise, you will become more wise. Proverbs 13, verse 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Obviously, if you're a Christian here, you know that you've got to hang out with more people than just the people in this room. Of course you do. Because we've got to live with people, and we've got to witness to people, and we've got to share this great gospel we've got with everyone in this city. But who's inputting your life? Who's shaping your life? If the people you choose are wise, as best as you can find, the promise of God's word is that you will become more wise. Because you see them, you watch them. think, ah, they made that decision like that. Or that's how they coped when it didn't go right. Or these are the factors they were considering. You will grow more wise as you do that. So team works. The final thing about getting wisdom and what wisdom looks like is that wisdom looks ahead. Proverbs 14, verse 16, one who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. 22, verse 3, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. So again, who do you want to be? Let's look at how a bad decision is made. King David in the Old Testament, he is famous for two things. Great man of faith, he killed Goliath, incredible. Also, slept with one of his best friend's wives and then murdered his friend to cover it up. How did this great and godly man do such a horrendously bad thing? We find it so difficult. How did he go from there to there? The answer is this, one step at a time. One decision at a time. This story uh, starts in 2 Samuel 11. It begins like this. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel out to war. But David remained at Jerusalem. And it happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful. So the first wrong step there is that David wasn't where he should have been. It was the time of year when kings go out to war. That was David's job. He's the king. And he doesn't go out to war. The second wrong step is that when he's walking, you know, it probably wouldn't have been as high as this, but he's out, he can see her, and he sees a woman bathing. And that should be, an, uh, that, that's a warning to David that you shouldn't be looking there. And so his second wrong step is he lets his eye linger when he spots her. This is supposed to be like, David, what are you doing looking at her? What are you doing in Jerusalem? Go and be with the men and fight. That's what you're supposed to do. These are, but he decision and another small decision another small decision he's made a few bad relationship choices already he has six wives this isn't good he is not used to curbing his sinful instincts he just doesn't have it as the habit to be like whoa no way his habit is oh let's find out more and so that's what he does he asks who she is that's a bad step he's told that she is his friend Uriah's wife which is a warning he's like okay I'll invite her over that's another bad step they eat together, they have sex, she falls pregnant. David tries to cover this up by getting her husband to sleep with her. He doesn't, so he has the, he has the guy murdered. Whoa, that escalated quickly. 
starts with a guy just bored on an, in an afternoon. Ends up like this. But it was simply one step at a time in the wrong direction. He didn't look where the path was going. He looked where part of the path was going, but he didn't look where that path was going to take him to. Sin will, someone said, sin will always take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you're willing to pay. That is 100% true. Don't be so foolish to think that you couldn't make a disastrous choice like this. Don't be so unwise to think, well, I'm in church, and I made a decision once for God. And don't, this is David, this is one of the great heroes of the Bible. Proverbs 27.20 says, Death and destruction are never satisfied, and never satisfied are the eyes of man. You are always going to be tempted to make bad decisions until the day you die. Often we think, well, we can get away with this bit because we're not going to go that far. But David's story shows us that when we take decisions like that, we are on a slippery slope. Again, Proverbs warns us, 6.27, Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Rhetorical question. The answer is no. If you bring danger into yourself like this, danger will get you. Wisdom helps us flee temptation at the earliest stage. And the earliest stage is the easiest stage. David was like in bed with Bathsheba and then was like, oh man, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. It's a lot harder for him to change his mind at that point. But when he's just sitting on the couch thinking, why aren't I at war? It's a lot easier not to sleep with someone and murder their husband. Wisdom just says, look, look where this is going. Where is it going? Is death and destruction the end point? Of course, temptation never says, come this way, it will do you terrible harm. Or it says, come this way, it will do you good. That's why it's a temptation. But the wise see beyond whatever's being offered. They see where it's going. They should make a stop and turn around and head in the opposite direction. Wisdom is often running away. But what if you've ignored all this? What if you have gone your own way? What if I'm saying all this stuff and you're like, yep, didn't do that. Nope, didn't do that. Didn't do that. Yep, that's why life's awful. What if you've made a mess of things? Well, here's the great news as we finish up. The Proverbs also gives us the hope of forgiveness. It's such a practical book, Proverbs. It's like, do this, do this, don't do that, don't do that. And you can feel a little bit like, oh, oh, oh. Mm. And then it says this. In 28.13, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Mercy from God. Not God saying, you idiot. Not God saying, too late. Not God saying, tough luck. The mercy of God. The love and the care and the grace of God. Whether you're a Christian or not here today, all of us have made a car crash of our lives. All of us have made a record of, of it. Some it's really obvious, some it isn't. But everyone here would say, yeah, mm-hmm. Drove it off the road, made a wrong decision, made multiple wrong decisions. Maybe other people were involved or not, but each of us is responsible for the choices that we had to make. And every one of us has made a deadly mess of it. Here's the great news. Jesus died because of that. He died for that. He has gone to the cross for us. It seemed like a terrible decision. It seemed like the worst decision anyone had ever made. Jesus follows like, what are you doing? Where are you going? This is madness. 
1 Corinthians 1.18 says, it was the wisdom of God that Jesus went to the cross. Because there was no other way for you and me to be saved. There was no other way for us to be rescued from the consequences of all the bad decisions we make. Through his death and resurrection, it's like Jesus has, he has pulled you out of the wreckage. He's healed your injuries. He has paid the fines that were due to your bad driving. He's bought you a glorious new car. He set you on a new road to a new destination. And he gets in alongside you and says, let's drive. Let's go. The wisest thing you could ever do is put your faith in Jesus. So those are four quick principles that I think have a lot of wisdom in them for you to explore and find and look through to get wisdom, to fear God, to remember that team works, and to look ahead. Because of the high stakes nature of some of the decisions we make, it's easy to feel like you're on a narrow road sometimes. You're like, if I go a degree that way, down I go, down into an abyss. If I take a degree the other way, down I go, down into the abyss. It's really worrying, so like, maybe I won't make any decision. But Christians are never alone. Never alone. God's always with us. Proverbs 18.24 says, There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's Jesus. He's always in the car with us. He's helping us learn to drive wisely. And he's ensuring that we're going to get to where he wants us to be. So don't be scared. Be confident. We've got a great God. And he wants you to learn to grow in wisdom. And to walk with him and drive with him all your days. So why don't we pray that he would do that for us, shall we? Jesus, we just confess you are wise and we are not. Though I don't know who the wisest person in this room is. I don't know who the person who's got the most experience, who's learnt the most things, who knows the most Bible, who's been through them. I don't know. But all of us, Lord, we just confess it right now. We need your help. Would you please give us wisdom? The decisions we're facing now, and to just to live well, whatever it is that we're doing day by day by day. Would you please give us what we need? Lord, we're so sorry for where we've gone our own way. We've turned away from you. We haven't feared you. Uh, We've just followed our own hearts and it's been a disaster. Or it may not have been a disaster just yet, but actually we're not fearing you. We're not following you. Lord, we say we're sorry for that. Help us today to decide to seek wisdom, to get wisdom. Thank you. This is a gift you want to give us. Lord, I pray for this church to be a church full of wisdom. A church where people come and be like, wow, this is how I can live. Gosh, this is true. Man, these people know how to deal with me. I pray these things for your glory, Lord. Amen.